so we're looking at Job chapter 8 to chapter 17. So we open chapter 8 with Bildad's uh, response and he regards Job's response as being that of a great wind. You see in chapter 8 verse 2, how long will you say these things and the words of your mouth be a great wind. Bildad supports Eliphaz's statement noted in verse 3, does God pervert justice? Or does the mighty pervert the right? With the same theme of justice in verse 20, Behold, God will not reject a blameless man, nor take the hand of evildoers. Therefore, uh, the theme of God is just in that he would not inflict onto a blameless man that which Job is going through, must be going through some great sin. Therefore, he suggests that Job should see God earnestly and expect to be restored to his former life. As we find in chapter 8, verses 3 to 7, does God pervert justice, or does the Almighty pervert the right? If your children have sinned against him, he has delivered them in the hand of their transgression. If you will seek God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, surely then he will rouse himself for you and restore your rightful habitation and then verse 7 and though your beginning was small your latter days will be great so now in chapter 9 we find that uh, Job is mentioning that how can mere mortals prove their innocence to God thereby showing that the issue is really power rather than justice so we're looking at chapter 9 verse 2 Truly I know that it is so, uh, but how can a man be in the right before God? So in chapter 9 verse 10 it says, Who does great things beyond searching out the marvelous things beyond number? Behold, he passes by me and I see him not. He moves on and he goes on talking about how God creates the, the splendor of his majesty showing that God destroys the innocent as well as the guilty and who is to argue. As in chapter 9 verse 22, uh, it is all one. Therefore I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. Job then goes on to showing us that life is brief and meaningless. Uh, and then that's found in chapter 9 verse 25 to 33. So he says, my days are swifter than a runner they flee away, they see no good. They go by skiffs of reeds, uh, like a eagle swooping on prey. If I say, I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and be of good cheer. I become afraid of all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent. I shall be condemned. Why then do I labor in vain? If I wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, yet you will plunge me into a pit and my own clothes will arbor me. Verse 32, For he is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that should come to trial together. Now in chapter 10, verse 18 to 22, Job is even considering why he was even born looking at 
Why did you bring me out from the womb? Would that I have died before any eye had seen me. And where as though I had not been carried from the womb to the grave, are not my days few, then cease and leave me alone, that I may find a little cheer before I go, and I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep shadow, the land of gloom like thick darkness, like deep shadow without any order, where light is as thick darkness. Now Zophar speaks and he rebukes Job for his bleak outlook, which he regards as Babel. Chapter 11 verse 3, should your Babel silence men, and when you mock, shall no one shame you? Now Zophar summarizes Job's sort of outlook by showing that uh, should your Babel silence men, and when you mock, shall no one shame you in this part here. For you say, my doctrine is pure and I am clean in God's eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips to you and that he would tell you the secrets of wisdom. Zophar uh, indicates that the opposite is actually true. As in chapter 11, verse 6. For he is manifold in understanding. Know then God exacts of you less than your guilt deserves. Therefore, Zophar is showing that Job should put his iniquity and issues uh, far away. As you see in chapter 11, verse 14, if iniquity is in your hand, put it far away and let not injustice dwell in your tents. And thereby showing that his life will be brighter than noonday, as in uh, verse 17. And you will feel secure because there is hope and you will look around and take your rest in security. Now Job concludes this discussion by showing that his understanding is not any inferior than the three friends have already commented. So as in chapter 12 verse 3, uh, but I have understanding as well as you, I am not inferior to you. Who does not know such things as these? He shows that the entire universe is under the control of God, as in chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. But ask the beast, and they will teach you, the birds of the heavens, and they will tell you, or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you, and the fish of the sea will declare to you, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words as the palate tastes food? Wisdom is with the aged and the understanding in the length of days. So now all that Job desires is to defend himself before God. As we find in chapter 13, verse 13 to 19, let's read. Let me have silence and I will speak, and let come on me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, I will hope in him, and yet I will argue my ways to his face. This will be my salvation, and the godless shall not come before him. Keep listening to my words, and let my declaration be in your ears. Behold, I have prepared my case. 
I know that I shall be in the right. Who is there who will contend with me? For then I will be silent and die. Only grant me two things then. I will not hide myself from your face. Withdraw your hand far from me. And let not dread terrify me. However, he believes that God insists on persecuting him. As we find in uh, Job chapter 13 verse 24. And why do you hide your face and count me as your enemy? Will you frighten a driven leaf and pursue a dry chaff? For you write bitter things against me and make me inherit the iniquities of my youth. You put my feet in stocks and watch all my paths. You set a limit for the soles of my feet. Man wastes away like a rotten thing, like a garment that is moth-eaten. And in chapter 14, verse 13, Job longs for death. Oh, that you would hide me in sure, that you would conceal me until your wrath has passed, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service I would wait till my renewal should come. Now it's Eliphaz's turn to begin the second cycle of speeches. So he accuses Job of abandoning prayer and uh, not fearing God with these windy discourses. This is found in chapter 15 verse 2 to 4. He says, Should a wise man answer with windy knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he argue in unprofitable talk or in words with which he can do no good? But you are doing away with the fear of God and hindering meditation before God. So he now reminds Job that his friends too have knowledge. And we find this in chapter 15 verse 7 to 8. Are you the first man who was born or were you brought forth before the hills? Have you listened in the counsel of God? And do you limit wisdom to yourself? What do you know that we do not know? Or what do you understand that is not clear to us? So they uh, stand in tradition and traditional belief that uh, sin has caused Job suffering. We can see this in chapter 15 verse 17. I will show you, hear me. And what I have seen, I will declare. What wise men have told without hiding it from their fathers, to whom alone the land was given and no stranger passed among them. The wicked man writes in pain all his days, through all the years that are laid up for the ruthless. And in verse 31 it says that, uh, let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his payment. It will be paid in full before his time, and his branch will not be green. He will shake off his unripe grape like the vine, and cast off his blossom like the olive tree. For the company of the godless is barren, and the fire consumes the tents of the bribery. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil, and their womb prepares deceit. So Job uh, answers very frankly, saying that he's heard all this nonsense before. Looking at uh, chapter 16, verse 3, Shall windy words have an end? Or what provokes you that you answer? I also could speak as you do. 
if you were in my place. I could join words together against you and shake my head at you. I could strengthen you with my mouth and the solace of my lips would be as usage your pain. He longs instead for a witness in heaven to mediate on his behalf to God. Chapters uh, 16 verse 19 And even now behold my witness is in heaven and he will testify for me is on high. My friends scorn me and my eye pours out tears to God that he would argue the case of a man with God. So that's where I would leave it today. But I would like you to meditate on the subject of that of a mediator, of someone to reconcile on behalf of man to God. And there can be no other but Jesus Christ. Job does believe that there is such a one that's in heaven that's mediating on his behalf. And we believe that there is a mediator that sits at the right hand of God making intercession for the saints today because of his completed work, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus Christ does. Therefore, there is no need for a priest any longer making sacrifices for a man. Uh, and the elect, or there is no prophet needing to speak to man, for God has given us the Holy Spirit who speaks the mind of God to us. And most especially, we are no longer under the need for a king because we are now being translated into the kingdom of light where we have a king who is a ruler of the kingdom of heaven. So therefore, seek not uh, the things of this world, but uh, seek the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to us in that we know that in all circumstances, whether it is for blessings or in trials, that we have a mediator who, who mediates and reconciles and uh, defends us uh, when we are accused and, uh, and when there's an accusation brought against the people of God. So with that, God bless you. Have a good evening. Speak to you tomorrow.